Fourth and final hour on this Wednesday afternoon. Darren, Donnick, and Chase. And at 1 o'clock every Wednesday, we talk with our man C-Mace, Chris Mason. Willie's partner in the booth and the man who always dresses very nicely. In fact, we were having a little fun at Willie's expense in the show exchange this morning of Morning Drive and Darren, Donnick, and Chase about how those guys were giving Willie the business yesterday with your appearance on their show about the way he dresses. I'm sure you remember that, Chris. Well, yeah, well, I, I do remember it. And it was uh, it was the morning crew that was that was uh, that was talking about all the fashion. They were saying that they were all really fashionably um, awesome and stuff, and I'd have to agree. And I think uh, I said uh, I said, well, Willie said he's going to bring it this year. Is what yeah. I said. So we got some good things in the works, don't we, Willie? We do. We have a couple of things up our sleeve here. I do kind of feel like from that exchange that uh, Braden and Nick were a little little butthurt because D-Mace was getting all the praise for his style. Although he, he wears all black and all gray every day. <laughs> his uh, solo color style. Yeah, he's got two colors. Some days white, some days gray, well, some days right. black. He's got the white, too. He can go all white, he can go, he can all, go white, all black, change it up. he can go all yeah. gray. But he also can he can clean up nicely, too. Well, that, that's, that's how I am away from the rink. Like, I'm a pretty boring, <laughs> plain dresser away from the broadcast. It's pretty much a black T-shirt, a hat, and jeans every day. I thought you were so, just a cool guy. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's when, you know, when I need that and my alter ego kicks in and he usually talks me into making good decisions. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> how, what, do you, what is the percentage of when you are a cool guy? Uh, anytime I'm in a... You know, I'm in some sort of turmoil when I need uh, when I need to be guided, which isn't a lot, but there's also you know times when I need him and okay. he's there for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel? How, let's wrap up. Let's put a nice bow on training camp and preseason as we get geared up for another regular season starting tomorrow. How, what was your takeaway or takeaways? Well, my takeaways is, is all things are good uh, preseason. I, I, don't, I honestly, I, I don't put much stock in the preseason really because, you know, try to think back. Aside, you know, it's fresh in our minds now, but rarely do you remember anything that happens in preseason. But you also, you know, you go into it and you want to see some certain things. You want to see some of the young guys play and do well. They did that. You want to see Matt Duchesne come in, play well and get adjusted and, you know, look good, find some chemistry with someone. He did that with Forsberg. I thought he was really good. I thought those two together were awesome. And then you also you want to get the power play. It's, again, it's only preseason, but you want to try out some new units, some, you know, try to find something to generate momentum going into this season, and I think they did that too, uh, along with both Peck and Juice uh, were really good in the preseason. So I really think, you know, all things being equal, I think it was, you know, a, a great uh, preseason. I thought uh, Fabro looked good solid as they expected and I, I just think there's you know n- no questions right now um in terms of what they're going to do other than maybe finding um who goes in the spots on the first two lines and i think the last practice they had i think craig smith was up with uh, rv and joey and then um Granlin was with with phil and duchene so that well, those will be the only ones uh, that i'll be interested to see how that plays out at the start of the year chris this is not scientific this is more under the category of gut feeling and I don't know what that's worth, probably nothing. But this is just my observations from our time over at Centennial Sportsplex at Bridgestone, just the early returns of being around the room, okay? 
I just get a different vibe. Like it's a good vibe. It's a I don't know. We had Roman Yossi on. He sat down at the table with us yesterday. The captain, as they wrapped up after they were done with practice and after they ate lunch, and last thing he did was sit down with us and chat before he left the building. Peter Laviolette did it last week, uh, and just I don't know. It just I just feel like a different vibe. Like I don't know. I just it's a good vibe. What what's your vibe? being around the guys to this point. I know it's everybody should be refreshed, right? They're coming in off the off season and but I don't know, it just feels a little bit differently to me. I do too. I, I feel like honestly, I feel like after, you know, the last couple seasons have played out, I just feel, you know, maybe there was some unrealistic expectations by uh fans and players and I, I shouldn't say un- I shouldn't say unrealistic, but just maybe the way that they were handled in terms of, you know, Anything but a Stanley Cup last year would have felt like a disappointment. And it was a tough season in terms of some of the injuries they went through. And, you know, they did win the Central, but it just there just never seemed to be a point where it just seemed everything was in sync and it was all, you know, they're winning games, you know, easy games that they should have. It was always kind of a grind. And I think, you know, and for players as well, for like Kyle Turris and, you know, Granlin getting settled and Fiala when he was here, I just felt there was never – I don't know, it just was never really smooth sailing. And I think this year they made uh, you know, that move in the offseason trading P.K. Subban and really addressed what I feel, I think everybody felt they needed was another top six. And you got Matt Duchesne, who seems like a perfect fit in terms of you know, the Preds wanting him here and him wanting to be here and the type of player that we need. And it's a fresh start. And I feel that the last three years of having this core group of guys here I think is such a benefit, and I really think they're starting to mature as a group and be able to, you know, it's, it's like a weight lifted off, but I think this year, too, it feels good, and they kind of have a chip on their shoulder, and I think, you know, they also realize, I think everybody does, how hard it is to win a Stanley Cup or to win in this league, and that anybody is capable of doing it, and they have a team that is very capable of doing it. Chris Mason is with us, and Mace, what, what guy I'm really curious, and he hasn't because Duchesne has arrived and because he is getting a lot of attention focused on him, one guy that has quietly, I, I think, been very determined, it's interesting they're playing the wild first, is Mikhail Granlund because he is such an important guy that, that has been sort of untapped. With we haven't, I, I don't think any of the Predator fans have seen him at his best. And so I'm, I'm wondering if he can bounce back. He seems confident. He seems to like the fact that he's had the entire training camp to get accustomed to everybody. I'm really excited to see what he's he's going to be capable of. I am too, and I, I think you know the way that he came over last year. That was man, that was that was tough. I don't I don't know if he expected to be traded uh, from there. I think you know Fence made a couple deals that kind of caught people by surprise, um, and I think that was, he was one of them. Had a baby, came over, you know, didn't really get settled in. It was a tough situation, but I, I feel like exactly like you said, Willie. Like he's coming over too with a, you know, he wants to prove to his teammates and to the fans and that he wants to, you know, show what he's done because I know watching him in Minnesota over the years, he he's a he's an excellent player, great playmaker, great burst, speed burst. He's really good with the puck, head up all the time and I don't think we saw that on a, you know, a night in night out basis uh when he was here. So, um he's a guy that's, you know, going to get an opportunity to play like, you know, how excited are you going to be to get to play with Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg potentially to start the season? That's a pretty good opportunity. So I think he's a guy that's really hungry to prove himself. He's also uh, in the last year of a contract, so that's a huge motivator for players, as we all know. Um, so I think he's a guy. I, I expect him to have a great season. 
Tonight, the, the games get started, and you have the defending champions playing. The Blues uh, take on the Capitals, and then if people are up a little bit later, you'll see Vegas and San Jose, which is uh, a very spicy uh, new rivalry in the league, if you will. And I see, Mace, that Vegas is really the consensus favorite by a lot of people. Just more, more than I'm looking at the athletic, Vegas got the most votes in the Western Conference to win the West. Are, and I know we, we know they're a good team, but it surprised me a little bit, just the margin of people jumping on their, on their bandwagon. I do, too. I, I, I really I don't know the reason quite for that, and you know maybe because they've got the, the stone there the full season and they've got some good players. I, uh, there's, I, I, just, I have a tough time. I, I mean, I try to get out of the Central Division picking an order, and, and I can't do it. Right. It's, it's, it's really tough to do, and I think that you know, Vegas is in a group of uh, teams with, you know, St. Louis, with Nashville, with, you know, whoever you want to put Dallas or Colorado. And, you know, you could, you could pick, you could honestly pick eight different teams, I think, that, that have a legit chance of, you know, doing something this year. Maybe not, maybe not eight in that, in that uh, tier of teams. But I do think Vegas is one of them, San Jose. Um, so I don't know, because I, I, I saw that too. I looked at all the, the predictions, and I, I was surprised too that Vegas had so many, um, you know, finalist votes, getting back to the Stanley Cup final and winning the, winning the conference and all that. But uh, they're going to have a good team, I think. They're, they're very well coached. They're a very disciplined team. And I think they've got some, you know, Mark Stone, I think, was a huge addition for them last year. And for them to have him for the full season, part of the group, and now he's settled, I, I think they, they will have a very strong team. But it's, uh, it's, it's tough to pick on, on both West and Eastern Conference. Mace, uh, I'm curious of some things that, you know, as a goaltender that you did as you got older in your career that Pekka is now having to do to be able to, to play as, as young as we see him out there. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like he's his age at all, but what are some things that you were able to change in your training as you got older and able to, to play a long career? Well, I, I did. I, I moved to things that were more, um, you know, Pilates and, and body weight based and um, but at the same time, trying to you know find ways to de- develop my power by doing a lot of you know explosive jumps and pushes and things that were less uh, more of a, you know impacting on my body, getting away from Olympic lifting and squatting heavy weights and different things like that. I, I found a great value in doing um, a lot more exercises that used body control, which you know in turn I think at the same time just really helps you get a, a good feel for. Um, the use of different parts of your body and how to, um, you know, it translates, especially for a goaltender where you're in so many vulnerable positions. I think that really, that helped me a lot. And I also think, you know, keeping that flexibility as you get older, you have to work harder at that. And I know Peck is an extremely flexible guy, but that's kind of what I did when I was, you know, getting to that point where, you know, I couldn't, I didn't find it as valuable to me to, to hit it like, you know, to hit it like a player would. Um, with all those heavy weight loads and, and just different types of training. So I kind of went in that direction. You guys were talking about the lineups a, a little bit earlier, and, and bear with me on this question, but breaking up Jofa and, and trying to have the secondary scoring that this team struggled to have last season, how important is it going to be to the confidence of this team that that the breakup of Jofa actually works? The addition of Duchesne, having, having basically two top lines, how important is that going to be that – you know that way they don't have to necessarily go back to Jofa if they don't want to. Yeah, I think it's hu- I think it's it's huge. And I think when you look at the teams that uh, 
that win now and the top two teams, you know, if you want to look at Pittsburgh, even St. Louis last year, um, you know, when they, they split up Crosby and Malkin, and they, they, you, you have to have two scoring threats, I believe, in order, you know, unless you're in one of those parts of the season where everything's clicking and, you're, you're, you know, you're playing as a team and you can't lose type of thing. But I think the reality of it is this gives you a better chance to kind of endure and extend those types of, those parts of the season because I feel when you have two lines like that, it really makes the decision tough for opposition teams and, and who are you going to match? Who is the top line? I don't, I don't know. I don't think, you know, you can't really say one's a top line and the other's a, a two line because, you know, they're both uh, stacked with talent and guys that could potentially, you know, outdo each other on either line. So I think that having that just creates a, a little more of a challenge for opposition teams in terms of, you know, getting the right matchup. I think when they had the Jofa line, when it comes playoff time, it's it's a little easier to say, hey, okay, you know, you guys are out against, uh, you know, you guys are out against a Jofa line. If it's, uh, you know, if they have last change, you know, get off as soon as you can and we're going to put our checking line or whoever you want to match against them. Now, you know, that creates a little bit of a mismatch and I think an advantage for the Predators that I don't think they really had the last few seasons. What would your advice be to to some of the guys that didn't make the roster that either have NHL experience or they're, you know, they're they're just trying to break in, that they're right there, and maybe on other teams they would be on the NHL roster, but now they're on a what I say is a loaded Milwaukee Admirals team. Yeah, I, I think there's so many players that you look at other teams of who they put on waivers, and I think there's a lot of guys like that, but my advice would be you have to be patient. I know we're in a time of every you know buddy wants everything right now and i i know that i feel you know i wasn't like these guys where i was a blue chip prospect or anything but there was a point um in in time in my development where i felt that i was i was ready to play you know there before that i thought well i, I still got this to work on and i compare myself to the guys up there and i'm like well i'm not quite here you know in that aspect of it and i need more time but then there's a point you get to and you think that well i'm, I'm there I, I know that i can play and and the organization did a good job back then of telling me that I was, you know, that I was right there. They really communicated that well, which helped. And I think Nashville has always done a good job of that. And I think they continue to do that with their players in terms of communicating where somebody's at. So I think that helps a player go down with a positive attitude. And at the end of the day, if your end goal is to make the NHL, you've got to you've got to take that right attitude down in Milwaukee and you've got to understand that that's that's a great league. You can't go down there and coast. You can't go down there and, you know, play at 75-80%, you know, and hope to you just help hope to have great results and then get a call up in a month or two. You got to go down and you got to have that same mentality every single night because as we all know, the last few seasons we've really relied a lot on guys that have started the year in Milwaukee. You know, Rocco Grimaldi's prime example, Freddie Gaudreau and you know, among other guys, I've caught UC Saros only a few years ago, right? So these guys, there's there's track records, there's evidence. If you go down there and do the right things, you're going to get a chance in Nashville. One penalty shot on you. Could Skillsy score? <laughs> you and Skillsy. Could Skilsy score? A penalty well, shot on Chris Mason. Would he score? Right now? Like now yeah, or today. back in playing days? No, no, Today. <laughs> Today. today if you guys laced it up he's got one penalty shot on you does he score i'm gonna i'm gonna say no but i think the only way to do it is is to to actually do it that's what we'll I, that's where i'm that's where i'm going with that so I need you to guys learn are like so i can do this. the video guys man you guys come out with creative videos and you're always got us laughing and i think that needs to be a video this year 
Well, I'm I'm down, and I know Skillsy is too. So that that would be uh, that'd be fun. You know what we did yesterday? We did. Uh, they had this uh, gong show hockey game, uh, sauce, the sauce kit or whatever, and we were doing it outside in front of Bridgestone, and we were both bru- brutal, like brutal. <laughs> it was so funny. But you got, you got to think, like, Skills, he's like, I'm a goalie. What do you want me to do? And Skills, he's like, well, I'm a defenseman slash goalie. So you got the two wrong guys trying to put pucks into these little little slits. So it was kind of funny. If you guys get that set up, please give us an advanced warning, and we'll take bets on the show. We will have fun and figure out who, who's going to put their money where, a lunch bet or whatever, on if he can score on you or not. Okay, fair? Yeah. Love it, yep. All right, Chris. Good seeing you. Thanks for doing this. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, see you guys. See Mace every Wednesday at 1 o'clock. I think that would be a cool video. I, and I hope they I hope they do that this year. What if I try to do that? Well, we know the answer to that. That would be, be funny. That would be, be funny. Boring. It would be funny. You would laugh. Something that's not funny, an NFL owner has passed away. We'll tell you who. And also, at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk to a major league catcher, former Vandy guy. Talk a little bit about the playoffs. One game in the books, Rays and A's tonight. A lot more coming here on Darren, Donnick, and Chase, ESPN, 1025 The Game. The Blue Raiders of MTSU take on Marshall this Saturday at Floyd Stadium down in the borough. Conference USA opener for them. Get to the game and uh, get the game early and experience uh, the Grove Tailgate area. Don't forget also to check out the Blue Raider Beer Garden and Family Fun Zone. Kickoff for MTSU and Marshall is at 2.30 p.m. It can be heard right here on ESPN 102.5 The Game and 97.5 down in Murfreesboro. Arizona Cardinals have put out, uh, it is with great sadness that they share the news that owner Bill Bidwell has passed away at the age of 88. Mm. That's sad. Wasn't he just... Didn't I just see him somewhere on TV? Maybe. He's one of the old guard. Yeah. So it's back yes, a long way. Back to when they were in St. Louis. He is... I have to be honest. I mean, not, not to say anything bad, but he's never been the most popular no. owner wherever he's gone, but a, a long career as an NFL older owner. be interesting to see where where things go from here. One of his former coaches used to tell us some great stories about his time in Arizona, if you remember. He's now in town. Yep. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. <laughs> well, I would hope most people figured that out. Man, some crazy stories about uh, Bill Bidwell, but I thought we'd pass that along. I passed away at 88. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see who takes over. Well, I'm sure they. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they, they stay in the family. I guess I say it's a family thing, right? Yeah. I'm sure. I would think. I mean, look, the ownership here didn't really have a plan. So, like, I mean, well, they yeah. had a plan. It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a good plan. Good plan but <laughs> murky in yeah. the, how it was going to. I mean, it was disputed, right? There was a lot of hey, this you can't really do this. Like there was. Well, the league is the, the league one was, was telling that's them, what like, I was hey, somebody's yeah. got to step up, and it's how Amy Adams Trunk yeah. got in. I mean, the league said, hey. We need a voice. Somebody's right. got to. Somebody's got to take ownership, so to speak. Even though it's all divided up equally, somebody's got to stand up and say, "I'm in charge." You know what? She's a she's a prime example of somebody that I don't know if she necessarily wanted to do it. Obviously, had never done it before. Had to learn a lot, but she's done that, and I think you've seen her grow in that role. 
you know, now are they, there are other things that she can do, of course, but you know, she's, she's at least put forth the effort. Still would like to see the stadium yeah, and the, and that be addressed a little yep. bit more short term and long term. This is another question we have. Here's the next test. Got played only one home game. Team's been, you know, largely gone for a good while now. Important game. Yeah. Bills are going to have some people there, right? They'll they'll come down. They'll have a decent amount. Mm. I mean, I don't, what, decent amount. Like what's decent? Uh, they're, they, they're crazy, man. A couple thousand. The Bills fans are crazy. Remember what? Remember that playoff game in Jacksonville? And a lot of people. Now that was a playoff game. I'll bet you there's a lot right, of people from January, Buffalo. It was January, and if you were in Buffalo, yeah. <laughs> you would go to Jacksonville too in man, January. I'll tell you, they 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 will have a decent amount. But my, my real question is, what's does it the look up, like? Does the upper deck look any better? Is it closer to being it, full? Is it, it, it upper it, deck? I, I mean, at this point, you're you're excluding the lower deck. Yeah, the lower bowl the lower is usually okay. all right. I, I it's don't, been okay. The, the, I think the most loyal fans the the Titans have are in those end zones. They they are pretty loyal. I don't see a lot of the other team mm. infiltrating those. Some of the real big time seats down low on the sidelines, you get sprinkled <laughs> in there. Some of those teams, we know what the deal is with the red seats. A lot of them are sold, but people are sitting around inside if the weather's not perfect. And there's a lot of red showing, but the upper deck is the challenge. Yeah. Hey. I, my guess is it'll be the same as it's been, right? If you want to walk up there for a decent no price, an easy price, you want to sit upstairs. If it was that easy. way for the home opener, yes, against the Colts. I mean, why would we suspect it would be any different for the Buffalo Bills? Should be a little. The weather's supposed to break. It's not going to be like it has been the last few days, but be interesting. Darren, your kicker has been placed on IR. Just so you are know. you kidding? Who? Steven Guskowski. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. My whole team is on IR. <laughs> they are. I barely, I can barely field a roster. <laughs> he's he's had a lot of misses this year. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah, he's not been typical Kaskowski. He is not. Maybe because he's been hurt. I guess. Yeah, they just announced that. John Ross, AJ Green, Darius Geis. Who else? I mean, there's like five others. Okay, let's get the violins out. Let's I mean, go. You know, it happens. Just, you were just the other day saying in terms of, the, hey, this happens in the league, man. Everybody does this. Everybody, it happens to everybody. Yeah. And now, now we want you want to have a pity party. I do. <laughs> it's only one <laughs> month old. But yeah, suck it up. In a matter of like five hours, I have my receiver <laughs> and a kicker. IR. <laughs> can I get a little sympathy? No. no. We'll see if Kurt Casale can give you some sympathy. Tough room. Does Kurt play fantasy football? We'll find out. We'll ask him. I know he's a huge Those baseball fan. guys. No, he's a huge predator fan. The hockey guys do. Do the baseball guys play it? We can ask. We'll him. find out. All right, let's talk to Kirk Casale on the other side. Darren, Donnie, and Chase, ESPN one hundred two five. The game. Oh wow! Ryan Porth is sprinting down the hall. What? <laughs> the Reds are on the radio. What? <laughs> Kirk Casale. Friend of the show. Let's start right out of the gates, Kurt. We asked this question that we don't have the answer to. Do you play fantasy football? Do baseball guys play I fantasy sure, football? I, I sure do. Um, I'm the uh, the reigning champion of the Reds Fantasy Football League last oh, year. Oh, really? Well, yeah, well, well. This year is not going so hot, though. I can tell you that. Well, there's a uh, lot of injuries, as we're finding out. Uh, it's just a weird season um, from just a lot of 
lot of standpoints. You know, the whole Melvin Gordon thing, Antonio Brown, and and then you got these you know quarterbacks coming out of nowhere with you know Lamar Jackson. It just it's it's incredible. I mean, it's it's very interesting and. Uh, but just really hard to predict this year, and uh, clearly I was wrong going into the draft night. So you don't feel comfortable right now talking about back-to-backs, no? Uh, you know what? Never say never. I'm going to have to grind it out just like I did last year, but uh, no, I, I won't ever count myself out. It's just going to be a, a little bit of more of a challenge than, than it was this year, but uh, you know, maybe maybe recap and uh, get, get back with me in a couple of weeks, and I might have a different tone in my answer. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you had to challenge injuries, and those are always challenging, right? Because they, they yeah. never it's never fast enough. So we haven't talked to you in a while. So how would you uh, put this season in a capsule for you personally? Uh, I, I'm I'm proud of I'm proud of the uh, the season I put together. You know what, uh, I, man? I, I know this. This is actually my first start to finish year in the big leagues, and uh, you know, just chopping nice. you know month to month back uh, you know for the past five years, and uh, you know it it for me I'm I'm proud of that. Um, you know, obviously. I got injured uh, just just shortly after the All Star break. I sprained my MCL, and that kind of that kind of stunk. But it uh, it, it kind of became a you know I keep saying the word grind, but it was a grind for the rest of the year just to try and uh, you know play through some uh, pain. But overall, I feel I feel pretty good about it from a personal standpoint. Yeah, I feel good from a team perspective. Yeah, we we underachieved, and uh, you know I'm, I'm excited to. Uh, see what we do going into this offseason and you know just can cross my fingers and hope that uh, I'm a part of that plan well congratulations by the way on your start to finish that's awesome thanks Thanks. that is really cool um when you watched last night uh, that's tough to watch right probably a little bit of it uh, when you see oh, a rookie, you know, make that mistake and, you know, it'll whatever, even if he says all the right things, you just know privately it'll probably haunt him for a long time. But what was your takeaway from last night's crazy finish? That was that was hard to watch um, just because, you know, I, it could have happened to anybody. And, um, you know, it, it probably would have been better if it happened to somebody with, uh, you know, a lot of experience on that team, like a veteran. But, uh Man, for 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 Grisham to have that happen to him in that in that situation, it just uh, you know, kind of just like it hurts my heart a little bit for the guy. But um, you know, he's he's a nice person. I've, I've played against him for a couple months now, and he's he's a tremendous player. He's a big league player, and uh, um, it just I don't know I don't know what was going through his head. I, I can only just you know offer my sympathy for the guy, and you know, hopefully he bounces back. And I, I'm. I'm sure that whole city of Milwaukee will rally around him. Sometimes when, when something terrible and unfortunate like that happens to, to a guy, it actually could bring out something incredibly positive in the end. And um, I, I hope that for, for Trent and, and uh, you know, just I, I can't express how bad I feel for the guy. It's just it's so tough and, um, you know, clearly changed the game. And uh, But there was a lot of other things that led up to that inning uh, being extended. You know, the Zimmerman blue pit. Um, you know, the, the weird Michael Taylor hit by pitch, foul ball, whatever. I mean, it just, there was a lot of things leading up to that moment that won't, won't get talked about because of, uh, because of the, the mishap by Grisham in the outfield. By the way, real quick, Kurt, just because you you see that all the time in the position that you're in, counsel yeah. said afterwards he hadn't had it, hadn't taken a good look at it at that point when they were interviewing him, but felt like there were a lot of people telling him that it was bat arm. And so 
they kind of were maybe a little bit disputing it, but didn't have a good look. What, what was your takeaway? In was that, that the right that call? Instance, yeah, I, I think it was the right call. Um, it, it, you know, he he kind of he choked up a lot on that bat. I don't know if anybody was talking about that, so he gave a little bit more surface area for the ball to hit. But it, you know, the call in the field was that it was a hit by pitch, and that is the clear evidence of where like the baseline of the entire play, right? And if there's nothing to dispute it, nothing clear to dispute it. It's like every other, you know, NFL replay that you ever see. It's just the call on the field has to stand. And I just I don't I didn't see anything from that perspective for um, you know, that that to be disputed or changed. But and, and that in that playoff instance I, I think they got it right and, and I, I think they if they called a foul ball that that would have been pretty crazy and uh you know I, those 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 guys would have to answer for it but at the end of the day i think they made the right call and unfortunately for the brewers it started a huge rally cincinnati reds catcher kurt casale on the line with us talking a little baseball here and kurt another thing that dawned on me watching that game was it was so much it was just a, a souped up intense version because it's winner take all of what we've seen really all year long two pitchers throwing extremely hard 97 yeah. 98 99 but at the same time, every hitter is a threat to hit it out. It's such an interesting concept that goes on. Uh, it, it may not, you know, it's just different than what the game has been in the past, but that's what we've seen really all year long and probably what we're going to continue to see in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, especially in that setting. Uh, I mean, the fact that Woodruff was able to go four for the Brewers was, was probably, you know, uh, Craig Council's best situation, you know, with. Uh, you know, with their pitching staff, they were just going to, you know, piece it together. And that's honestly, the Brewers are really tailored to that type of game. Like, um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, I, I'm shocked that they lost because it's just what they do. They're just, you know, they piece together things. And then when you get to the eighth inning, you got, uh, you know, Hader coming in and Hader was throwing much harder than he was at the, at the end of the year as well, because, you know, the, the playoff juices are flowing. And uh, on, on the opposite side of it, you know, Scherzer, was uh you know they ambushed him early and I can't I can't imagine that he thought that that was going to happen but uh yeah I don't I don't know if I've seen Woodruff just sitting 99 like that and touching 100 I faced him a, a bunch of times and he he throws hard but never that hard but I think um the the really interesting thing that maybe the fans are are starting to notice is how often the the uh the Brewers and the Nationals if you look at the catchers, how far up that they were trying to attack the zone. Normally it's like, you know, you want to stay at the bottom of the zone to get ground balls, and it, it's it's turned into the low ball actually is a much easier pitch to hit long, hit far hit, and elevate. And now it's just it's hard to see what the elevated fastball at 99 probably has a perceived velocity of probably 105, which is much, much harder to uh, to square up. But you know, Yasmani Grandal was at the top of the zone all night last night. I, I thought that was pretty cool because it's something we, we did the entire season, too, and now maybe uh, the rest of America can uh, see that's a, a, a definite trend going forward. Yeah, it's definitely different than it was a generation ago. You, you wouldn't teach yeah. pitchers to try to aim for the top of the zone, but that is happening a lot for sure. Now, you guys, Kurt, for the Reds, have figured out some stuff with pitching. Uh, we we yeah. talked about it last year with you. with Derek Johnson, a former Vanderbilt pitching coach, Caleb Cotham, who just got a big promotion for you guys. Sonny Gray yeah. has a great year for you. So just just putting together a game plan, pitching in the big leagues these days with all the home run hitters out there and all that we're talking about here, 
what what's what's the key? Like, where is the trend going? I, I think we're all curious uh, to where it goes from here. Well, if we, if we just want to talk about it from our perspective, you know, we definitely were were uh, trying to attack hitters with fastballs at the top of the zone and breaking balls under the zone. It's kind of just like the the uh, up and down mentality versus the east and west. Because just from our our staff's perspective, we didn't have a whole lot of guys that you know that moved the ball that you know, sank the ball. I mean, Sonny can do it a little bit into righties. And Luis Castillo, who had an unbelievable year, he's going to throw hard sinkers and change-ups. But the majority of our staff, and bullpen included, uh, they throw a straight fastball. So they try to get, you know, that high spin rate that, like I said before, has a higher perceived velocity than what it actually fires up on the radar gun. And that was just as, as simple as DJ and Caleb being able to identify the talent that we had what type of pitches they have, what type of, uh, you know, we, we call them RPMs, you know, uh, on the baseball. You know, you could uh, compare that to, you know, a car, if you will. But, um, and it's just identifying how how much you spin the ball, uh, where your best uh, spot to, you know, throw it, and then have it dive off of that is, and just collectively put it all together to, to create a, and, and we did, uh, a really, really great pitching staff and, and what most people in, in, uh, or most, most fans in, in this league would say that Great American Ballpark is just not a pitcher-friendly ballpark. But, um, you know, they were able to identify that and, and create a really good staff this year. I was happy to be a part of it. Kirk Casale here with us, Reds catcher. And I want to get your thoughts real quick because I know you didn't see the Braves a ton, but you know the Cardinals quite well uh, having played yeah. them in the division. Uh, how is that lineup going to match up against the Braves' pitching rotation of, of Keuchel, Fultonevich, and Soroka? Uh, let's see. I mean, so Keuchel's going game one, right? Yep. So you've got right-handers like Goldschmidt, Osuna, Yadier Molina, Harrison Bader, uh, Paul DeYoung. I mean, I, I, I think at least for a lefty starter, the Cardinals really match up quite well. Um and that's not to say that a righty's going to, you know, give them fits, but I would say that, you know, their their thump is in their, their right-handed uh, lineup. But, you know, Keiko's going to try and sink the ball on them. Um, we didn't really have a left-handed sinker baller this entire year. So, you know, they, they – uh, I don't even know if they face many of them because I would say our, our division is pretty right-handed starter dominant, but – the way that the the Cardinals are playing right now, it's um, you know, you got to believe that they're they're going in with a lot of confidence, and uh, you know, obviously me being a fan of uh, catching, uh, you got one of the best in the game back there to be able to dissect the lineup, and you know, Yachty, uh, I, I look up to that guy all the time. I mean, I, I it, anytime I get a chance to you know get a snippet of information off of him just like you know just speaking with him in the batter's box or something i i pay close attention to so with a guy like that leading the charge along with you know jack flaherty uh you know um miles uh, mikolas um and 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 the rest of them you know with martinez and miller and and uh those guys backing up the end of that that bullpen i i like the cardinals chances and um we certainly didn't have a whole lot of success against them this year, and um, I, I can imagine them making a decent run this postseason. Kurt, we would love to have you as kind of our insider for the playoffs if you're up for the task. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I'd, I'd love to. I, I don't know if, I've, if I'm technically allowed to do that, but hey, we can we can see what we got. I can well, 
I can at least guess for you. Well, there is a there is a there is a warning that the pay sucks. So I just want to let you know the pay <laughs> it stinks. Does. Okay. All yeah. right, but so we would love to have you on playing the game first, <laughs> just to talk about it, you know. But the pay is not very good. Stick to baseball. That's okay, you guys don't need to. You guys don't need to pay me. I'm I'm still in my winding down, uh, you know, moments from from the season. <laughs> so this is a good this is a good way to cool down, if you will. I like it. Hey, we uh we would love to. In all seriousness, we would love to talk to you periodically through uh. Uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs and get your insights. So um, thanks for doing this, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, that is Kirk Casale, Cincinnati Reds catcher and former Vanderbilt player, and uh, we always enjoy our conversations with him. A lot of insights. And he will be in Smashville tomorrow night for the opener. Awesome. That's great. He he will be paying close attention to the the gold jerseys. uh, He's into it. Well, that will not be the only time he'll be in attendance. True. He'll be in Bridgestone a lot during the offseason. All right, we'll come back, wrap up Wednesday's show next. Good show today, man. Joe Rexrode. Yeah, man. Nick Suss, Tim Hasselback, C Mace, Kirk Casale. Covered a lot of ground. And us, too. I, I think we did a good job. Yeah. Yeah, let's throw us in there. Let's pat ourselves in the back. You know? Yeah. And Max, too. Yeah. Max and you Max guys were great. Yeah. yeah. Heck of a job, guys. guys Heck we, of a job. Way to go, boys. It. We did it. What a good Looks show. Looks like we made it. <laughs> Whoa. Come on. <laughs> no? Come on, Chase. No? Chase going old school Barry Manilow on that. Yeah. Now that, for his generation, that was an upset. And he got all excited about the Hall & Oates earlier. And then yeah. what was the other old uh, reference you? Tom Petty. Tom the, Petty. You know, there's another one, too. Two though. years ago today, we lost Tom Petty. I made a reference though. Oh, I can't the spinal tap! Two years. I gave oh, you the, the spinal, spinal tap. tap yeah. He knew the spinal tap. That's Chase. this one goes to he's, eleven. He's way ahead of it's one louder. His his cohort Ryan Porth on this. Ryan Porth oh, just yeah. draws blanks. Yeah. You make you make a reference from anything before two thousand. He's kind of like, oh, what's that? I got to give it to him. We actually have uh, footage of Ryan trying to make the reference. Oh boy, Nikita Kotchkis. Thank you, Homer. And who oh, is, what about Leon? What about Leon? Leon, who? Leon Dresden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Big Leon moment. Dresden. Big moment that in the show. That just never gets old. That was awesome. Does that's he play that's with, a keeper. Does he play with Ryan Tamerhan? <laughs> <laughs> Can we get Leon one more time? Can we? I. That's just. He's a great player. It's priceless. Nikita Kotchkis. Uh, Kotchkis? <laughs> Thank you, Homer. Okay, what about Leon? Leon who? Leon Dresden. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking. The category was players that had 100 points in the league last That was year. hairy, and yeah. it, that was just fantastic. Cheaters <laughs> will not be rewarded Look, here on Darren, Donick, and Chase. No. That's got, the moral of the story. It got hairy for Harry. There. Got hairy there for a second. It, uh, he was clearly cheating. We knew. We all knew. He was exposed as a cheater and a non-hockey person. The but big, the comic relief he has provided to the show oh, going fantastic. forward, we should reward him Leon. for that fantastic. someday. Someday. I hope he – we will give stuff away on the show, so I hope he calls in another time. By the way, uh, NHL season gets started tonight. The Blues will host the Capitals. Uh, Golden Knights and Sharks. That should be a fun – and you said we've got free preview? NHL ice package? Yep. Right? Yes. Uh they are the center ice. The center ice package center is ice. a free preview for a week to right. try to uh, get you to, to jump on it. So there if you, you love go. hockey, 
you, you got the free reign for the week. And here's a little nugget for you. The Knuckleheads are in Edmonton taking on the Oilers. Vancouver, you know, they have a tough sledding here recent past. They've actually won five straight season openers. So a little stat for you. Yeah. Chase, you can file that one away for maybe your, your app. I'll file that away. Mm-hmm. Smashville Vancouver, Vancouver's won five in a row, season openers. There you go. Smashville Live tonight as well. Yep. The Poils. The Poils. Brian and David. Dinner with the Poils. Brewhouse South out in Cool Springs. Go out there. Should be a lot of fun from 7 to 8. Preds Insiders before that with Ryan and uh, Adam Vingan. Good warm-up band for uh, for Smashville Live. This is the last day of awaiting, and then tomorrow it all begins in Smashville. Thank goodness. That is going to be exciting. And we will be over there tomorrow from Pete and Terry's Tavern. Have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you then at 10 a.m. See you then. Bye-bye. Closing time.